Emoto, basically, real quickly, he would take water and he would look at it under a microscope and he would play classical music by Mozart. And it would be these, and he, the, the same glass of water, right? That glass of water, when listening to Mozart, when Mozart was on, would have these molecules. He'd take pictures of them under the microscope and they're beautiful. Everything's symmetrical. Hmm. Everything, it, it's like a work of art. Then he puts on Jethro Tull mm-hmm. or ACDC, <laughs> and it's all jagged. Chaos. Ozzy Osbourne. Really? It's all jagged. It's, it's, it looks like not, it's the same glass of water. And it's how the molecules change from the experience that in the environment that you're in. And what are we mostly made of? Human mm. beings are mostly made up of water. And welcome to the Compassionate Achiever Podcast. I'm Tracy Day. I'm here with Dr. Chris Cook. Hello, how are you? All right, Tracy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. So it is just the two of us today. We're going to either sink or swim with each other. <laughs> you know what? I like, be swimming. Fun. I like, I like swimming. swimming. And it's the perfect time. It is beautiful out there right. and it's summertime, so we'll do it. Yeah, we can, we can freestyle. <laughs> There we go. go. Backstroke. (laughs) Yeah, if we need to. Throw a life preserver when we need it. I think we do have two lifeguards in Mm. in the next room. There we go. Our two producers. Hopefully they're listening (laughs) and they're not sleeping. And they're on duty. Exactly. exactly. (laughs) So a little background on uh, who you are. Um, <laughs> political and social science professor at WestCon, Western Connecticut State University. You're founder of the Center for Compassion, Creativity, and Innovation. Uh, I'm acting like I'm telling you this. <laughs> <laughs> As if you didn't know and you didn't remember, I'm just reminding you. Thank you. <laughs> sure, no problem. I'm getting a little older, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> Chris is the director of the Kathwari Honors Program, a Harvard fellow, Fulbright scholar, and ex-counterintelligence officer. He is also author of the book, The Compassionate Achiever, How Helping Others Fuels Success. So today, we're going to talk about a topic that I don't know one person that hasn't had to do this before. We're going to talk about how compassion can help you deal with difficult people. Now, it would be very nice to go through life and not have to deal with difficult people. (laughs) They pop up. They're like that mole game, aren't they? They just like... (laughs) Instead of whack-a-mole, compassion-a-mole. Yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah, that's that's what we're going to do today. And it all starts with us. Yes, it does. Right? It starts individually with us. And I, I think we tend to forget that, that... We, there's difficult people everywhere. And sometimes we are the difficult person, oh. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to own that one. I'm so, going to own it. So do I. <laughs> and, and I think, you know, we, even though we may have a boss or somebody that, that is difficult, that there are ways of handling that in a compassionate way. And, and, and we also have to figure out how we can get our, ourselves righted, right? That right the ship that, you know, the morning starts off and you try to pick up your cup of coffee and you didn't quite look at it right way and you grabbed it <laughs> and it knocked over, right? And the next thing you do, you burn the eggs, right? And then the next thing, right? You're you, in your the, dog has your socks, right? right. And, and so you're looking- You've lost your keys. You can't get, the, get into the car. And then the traffic starts, and we've all been there. Is this the day? Yeah. <laughs> right. This and what do you do, day. right? How do you yeah. get through that day? And, and, and then people, you can tell when they're having one of those days. <laughs> That's true. And, and, and usually just a smile or just somebody, you know, literally saying and really meaning it, how are you doing? 
Yeah, not just the um, compulsory, just, yeah. hey, how you doing? And then they start to answer and you're like, oh, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't really mean <laughs> or you like, look at your watch. how are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't really mean like, how are you doing? Yeah. But no, and that's true. And something I think that is really hard to remember sometimes when you're in the moment is that you don't know what has happened to that person. You know, and I, I often think of it, um, I was driving down uh, Federal Road the other day or trying to well, that'll get, get you on. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Trying to get on 84. And um, all these people are trying to cut in and go along the side. And, you know, my my first reaction was, really, do you have to do that? But then I remember, um, Maybe, maybe there's something really important. Maybe that person in the car has somebody who's really sick in the car and they really do need to go. Now, I'm, I'm going to guess that the five cars that cut in front of me, maybe, <laughs> maybe they weren't all in that situation. But you, you really don't know what is going on in somebody's life. And maybe they did have to race over to the hospital. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in that situation too, where you're like, I really, I'm so sorry that I'm cutting in, but honestly, like I'm trying to get somebody to the hospital, literally. Right. So if you can try and remember that, and it's easy to do when things are going great, but right. <laughs> it's when you're in the moment that it's hard to go back. And- well, and, and I think that's, that's the test of your true character in terms of not just compassion, but of your, you know, your, your confidence of your endurance and, mm-hmm. and who you are. And, you know, I think there's ways that each of us can find that and we're all different, right? But there are th- ways that we can tap into that energy, that, that calm energy that allows you to do a lot of things, but do it in a way that isn't hurried, isn't all over the place, isn't knocking down other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's that's one of the ways I think that we forget. We all have those trigger switches, and you know, for me, literally, it's a glass of chocolate milk. I, <laughs> I, I love a glass of chocolate milk, and and it literally calms me down. It's it's just all over good. It's one of the things I have right after I come in from a run. After I have a glass of water, I have immediate glass of chocolate milk, and it's it's just like everything is totally copacetic. copacetic. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And and you know, I think. We forget to look at our own toolbox. Mm, absolutely. You know? And I think the more that you do it, it's like we've talked about this before, muscle memory, if you yeah. will, that um, the more you do it and the more you practice it, and sometimes it's really hard to get there, but it becomes easier. It becomes your norm as opposed to, okay, I've got to remember, slow down, try and remember where this person is coming from. and you know, not treat them. Well, and, that, and, and I think badly <laughs> on our guests that we've had so far, they, they, they've taught us many of those lessons, Absolutely. right? So if you look at Scarlett Lewis, mm. right, she went through the most horrifying event that a parent could possibly go through. Losing Literally, her child. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then she found the energy and the courage to go on so that other schools and children now <clears throat> would have social and emotional learning so that, that it would limit the chances of what she went through happening somewhere else. And that, that, that's, that should get you up and going when times oh, thinking that's... of that. Right. And then we had, uh, Dr. F- Finkelstein, mm-hmm. Michael and, Finkelstein. Yeah, yeah. Finkelstein. And sorry, thank you for the, no, correction. no, no, no. Um, <laughs> and no, I wasn't sure. That's why I was like, yeah. <laughs> it went up as yeah. a question and, um, and slow medicine. Oh yeah. Right. And, and it's, 
I'm hoping that the guests we've had you know, offer these types of tools in many different ways. And so they may do it in medicine, they may do it in you know, uh, non-governmental organizations helping you know, children uh, escape from uh, trafficking. Um, Love to, 146. You got it. And Steve Martin. Even mm-hmm. though they're in very different realms of life, the tools that they all use can be applied to each one of us. Right. right? So, you know, I, I, I'm loving what, who we've had on so far. And when you booked Love 146, I was jacked, right? I was, I was pumped uh, for the fact that, you know, they're one of my model organizations. They're in the book yes. too, aren't they? Yes, yeah. they are. Um, yeah, he, he was incredible. Honestly, they've all been they really terrific have. in their own right. And they all bring something different to the table. Yep. Um, which let's talk about that. Like how, how do different people, um, every person and instance is different. And so what, I mean, you talk about Luca in the book, is that your kind of go to, uh, way of trying to pull out your own compassion? Yes. And to get myself out of the way. Mm-hmm. Right. So Luca, right. just real quick. That's listening to learn is the L. The U is understanding to know. The C is connecting to capabilities and the A is acting to solve. So the first thing you do is got to listen. And I think, you know, you hear some people say you got to have empathy. Mm-hmm. Right? Empathy is the key. I, I would argue it's not the key. I think it can be helpful. But Tracy, I, I, I've done this. Uh, and I'm guilty of it, but it's also been done to me. When you go to somebody and you're saying, you know, I'm going through this problem, call it X, right? And and they so go, they supposedly are showing empathy, but like, yes, I felt that I had went through the same thing. And you spend 15 minutes on their problem they went through about 10 years ago, right? <laughs> and it's nothing about solving the problem. Your problem, yes. Yeah. And, and and they don't even recognize that they've been talking about themselves, mm. and they, they're thinking they have empathy. But it's actually putting the person that you're trying to help second, mm-hmm. right? Instead of going in and asking more questions about what's going on by listening to the person who's doing it, they're giving, do you think they're being empathetic by giving them like, yeah, I know how you feel because I went through why. And, you know, I did this and I did that. And, and it's trying different. to fix it. Do you ever notice yeah, that? Right. People, there's a lot of I people I had to learn that know. too, mm-hmm. right? I was and like, I think that maybe that comes from a good place from a lot of people. They're trying to help you and trying to fix it. But sometimes you really just need somebody to listen and just say, okay, I'm here for you. You know, like you said, not say, well, I've been there. I've done <laughs> that. And this is how I fixed it. Right. You know, you're like, really? I don't really care about that right now. My wife <laughs> taught me that. My wife, because when we were first married, you know, I wanted to do everything right. So when she came home with a problem, I was like, I thought my job was to fix it. Mm-hmm. And she was very clear after that. I think, honestly, I'm, I'm going to make a huge genera- generality <laughs> here, but I think that's true of a lot of husbands or partners that, um, yeah, men I tend to want to fix it. And I, like I said, I mean, that is just a broad stroke. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, and that's not fair to those of you who have learned that lesson. Um, and that's true for women, too. I mean, we obviously need to, to learn that. But I think generally women are a little better listeners and, and just kind of nod and nod and smile. Sometimes that's just what you need. Yep. So I, I think so. Listening is so important. Okay, so I cut you off. 
you, Luca. <laughs> yeah. Listening is L. <laughs> right. You right. And that's that's the key part, right? Because if you're listening, you're not speaking, so you're not cutting off. Mm. And you're not jumping in. You're not bringing in your own stories. You, if, you, you, if you're jumping in, you're jumping in with questions to help you understand the you, right? Understand the problem that the other person's going through. But you're not bringing in your stuff. And if, if you are you know, doing anything, you're, you're trying to clarify what the problem is and trying to get a holistic picture as best as you, best you can. Mm-hmm. You're getting it from one person. So, you know, you have to figure out what questions you need to ask. And everyone's different about what they include and not include in, in what they discuss. So, you know, I think questions are key for understanding. So you're, you're having them do most of the talking mm-hmm. and you just kind of get in the clarification and then connecting, right, to uh, resources and and you only kind of realize what you need to help them connect to to solve their problem by listening to them by really understanding and then even reviewing them right so you know mm-hmm. what I mean by reviewing is by saying if I understand what you just said saying it back exactly, to exactly right? but in a way that is non-threatening and it's a way that's non-judgmental mm-hmm. right because we've all been through it you know I, I think you know we We've been either with friends or family that maybe you went to them with a problem and they judged you on what you did, not mm. on what the problem that was going on, <laughs> right? And so how True. are you going <laughs> to create that bridge of trust, right, when, right. when, when that goes on? And, and that, that's, that deflates the whole conversation that you're in. So if you can listen, if you can understand, and if you have ways to connect, then you have a chance to act, right, mm-hmm. to solve, to solve the issue. And so for me... Luca is a, one of the flexible instruments because I think Luca be, can be used in every situation. It's not, you know, something that's for one situation. It's for life across the board. Right. I, yeah, I think it help. I think it can help you, you know, ride more smoothly through life. By, I like that. Right. To, to to if you you know get to ride Luca and and, you, and I think the first thing is to listen. Yeah, definitely. So just to clarify. So the last, the last one, A, is to act. Correct. Right? Right. But, like we just talked about, there's a very fine line in fixing it for somebody. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> so, so that's a tough one. Yeah. You know, some people could misunderstand that, that, you know, you're, you're telling me to act. So, so what would you say to that? So sometimes it's not you that's doing the acting to solve it. Sometimes you're giving them the resources or the power or the insight in themselves mm. to inspire themselves to act, mm-hmm. to solve the situation. So, you know, I've talked about, I think, once before with my son who went through a medical problem. I wanted to go into the school and, and fix, you know, and, and tell the class, you know, don't pick on my kid. Right. <laughs> and he went in. He goes, Dad, I don't want you to go in at all. And I was really proud of him because he set up the situation where he was able to resolve the problems that were going on. And the compassionate thing for me to do was to actually step back. Mm-hmm. We had to talk. I listened. We both had an understanding. And then realizing that the connections are actually with inside of him mm-hmm. and the courage that he was developing and the young man that he was becoming, that if I didn't step back, I would have been blocking the maturation, basically, of mm-hmm. my son. How he had to learn to deal with it. Yeah. So sometimes it is the compassionate thing to not act. Yes. 
It's an act of not doing. It's an act of non doing. Is that a thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The act of non doing. Okay. It really is. That sounds better. <laughs> the act of not acting. Yeah. Wait, what? Well, but like, no, but that's funny. Non doing. Yes. And it's different. More sense. Right. Because you're purposely setting it up so that another person would feel that non doing. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's true. So what do you what do you do when you um, we were talking about your son and kids? I think it's difficult sometimes when you see somebody, again, I'm sure we've all been in the grocery store or wherever, and we see some parent that is just really treating their child um, poorly. How, you know, how do you bring out that compassion and look at that situation? Do you walk away? Do you say something compassionately to them? Do you, I don't know. You brought up the other day, and this is what um, made me think of it. Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> Don't you love when I bring these You have a good down? memory, by the way. <laughs> of course, I can't remember what I had for lunch, but I remember <laughs> things like this. But, um, but you said, you know, back in the day when you used to play in the neighborhood, that uh-huh. any um, grandmother or any parent or parental figure, whatever, was really kind of allowed to step in and discipline yes. you. Yes. Um, and I think that was true back then. Now, oh, can you imagine you go out and discipline somebody else's child? You get sued. Ooh, you'd have a lawsuit. <laughs> I was just going to say, here we come. Here's the attorney walking out to the park with you, you know. But so, you know, what? how do you deal with that? Do you walk away from it? Do you just... No, I kind of use a distracting mm. way. I kind of go off to a third area. So if it's in the grocery store and they're in the... I don't know, the cereal aisle or something mm-hmm. like that, right? And something like that happens. A lot of fights in the cereal <laughs> aisle. <laughs> yeah. I want the fruit loose. Captain and Crunch. The, exactly, exactly. And then my wife, granola, <laughs> organic, all the way. Yeah, we're going to eat these seeds, honey. You're going to love it. <laughs> With a lot of sugar. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which defeats the purpose. Anyway. Um, but we digress. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll say, oh, I remember eating, you know, you know, what is it? Count Chocula. <laughs> Back to that chocolate milk thing. Maybe exactly. That's what's, maybe that's what started it. I don't <laughs> Could know. Be. Or, you know, it's, I'll pick up the cereal and I'll look to the little one and I'll say, oh, I love this. And you'll see the parent, you know, look at me and I'll say, you know, how, how's it going? How, how are you doing? And, you know, maybe make, make small talk, but start with something that doesn't have anything to do mm, with mm-hmm. it and stay away you don't from, even go into but, the argument of but they recognize mm-hmm. what it is and i think people are smarter than we tend to give them credit for and by having that conversation and seeing how the kid then the child will start to ratchet down if, well i was right? just going to say too and usually if we've talked about this before if you can even take one or two breaths and kind of just you know regroup a little bit that can change the direction of things so by that's a great tool is just by kind of distracting them a little bit or whatever it might give that parent a chance to you know take a few deep breaths and and it's usually something you know that they personally have or that's why I went for the cereal it you know um as you know I'm a runner so I look at the sneakers Mm. right and I'll say oh I had those sneakers when I was something years old and you can see both the parent and the child at first they're surprised Right? Mm, There's this like, what? Yeah. And then I, I'll 
you know, say it again that, well, those sneakers are, you know, those are pretty awesome, bring back memories, really good memories uh, for me. And you can see just after the surprise goes down, just the kind of the level, the the level of intensity Mm -hmm. just goes down because now we're talking about something else that the child has stopped, you know, screaming, the the parent has stopped, you know, doing what they're doing. And because they don't want to, you know, continue on with what they're doing. And so you're not blaming anybody, Mm -hmm. you're not putting the onus on anybody. You're kind of stepping in and giving both of them a kind of life preserver, mm-hmm. a momentary, temporary timeout on that that moment on something that we all three shared, mm-hmm. right? Because the parent bought the sneakers, right? right? And and I remember them and the child's wearing them and something that all three of us connect that's non-threatening in any way, shape, or form. And just that simple act of distraction, mm-hmm. you know, usually tends to help in a big way and I usually wait for that moment there's always a moment when you're in the aisle and you can hear something going on because you also don't want to disrespect the parents I was right. just going to say call them out on no it. that is the worst yeah I mean, and I think that's I've seen that happen too wow. and boy that's grandmothers even more can do ugly it. I've seen gra- <laughs> and grandmothers get away with it I'm not a grandmother <laughs> really <laughs> so I've seen grandmothers do it but for most of us that that yeah, wouldn't work yeah, yeah. And, and grandmothers in all cultures I've seen do it in Estonia mm. as well, and traveling around different places, I've actually seen that happen on playgrounds, and and it, they get away with it all the time because they they have had the experience, right? right. They've been there, and and I don't know what's going on in that family's life at that moment, but I know I can make it a little happier, and I can make it a little bit more distracting in terms of a fun way and a constructive mm-hmm. way. And, and humor is always, I mean, not that yeah. you're going to, you know, start laughing and cracking <laughs> jokes at a time like that. I don't mean that. But, you know, if you say it in a very lighthearted way, and I just am all about the power of a smile. Yeah. It is amazing how people really do warm to that. Without and, a doubt. And it, it can change the direction, as you said. And, you know, even Tracy, you know, runners know this in runners world you know, magazine had something on this one time that, and it, I've done it for a long time. Whenever you're in pain or you're not, you're hitting that wall when you're running, if you put a smile on your face, it actually helps you. It gets you going a little bit further, yeah. right? I'll either go into it like this zone or I'll, I'll put a smile in, in my face and it just, you can, I could feel the cadence just pick up a little bit more. And, and so it's so funny when you, yeah, when you say that the smile does make a a difference and they've done studies about that haven't yes, they? yes they have that actually like it does something to your mouth that then do, you know i'm yeah. clearly out of no, my league but, you're here. Right. but i i have read something about that that yep. it, it really does trigger something in your brain that says oh she's smiling she must be happy <laughs> right. must be something good going on and that's on contagious here. yes and absolutely contagious. just like a yawn is right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that could be a whole nother show but yeah that is kind of a weird thing why that happens and I think compassion is contagious too. Just like being around mm. someone who's very negative, right, can get you down. And, and that's where I try to boot scoot. I try right. to escape because you can just feel the negative energy. So that brings me to another question about working with people. Um, oh, look at the time. Got to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. No. Distracting. Oh, Distracting. Smile. Smile. <laughs> all right, happy. all right, keep it no, going. I'm all right, working. Here we go. Um, no, but I have fortunately only worked in one office that, um, and I've had such a checkered past, but uh, in a good way, in a good way. But I worked in a company that, I mean, it it clearly was toxic. 
And I didn't obviously realize that um, before I went in there. But I really needed this job. I was a single parent at the time. I needed the insurance. I needed, I mean. Yeah, I hear you. You know, and a lot of people are in this situation. You know, it's very easy to say, well, you just get another job. It's not that easy. No, it's not. And it took me a long time to get this job and whatever. But what do you do when you have a boss that um, really is abusive to either yourself and or your coworkers? I mean, it's very hard to put that compassion face on and say, you know what? This guy needs a hug. <laughs> Like, and I, I don't mean just a man, but I'm, no, no, I'm speaking I, of I my def- situation. So, and because I think women can definitely, woof, I've heard, in fact, just like I was, you know, picking on the male species for not being <laughs> good listeners, I'm going to pick on females that I think sometimes it, they're harder to work for personally as, as a woman, um, you know, and that's, that sounds terrible to say that, but I think it's true. Sometimes women can be just really bitchy about things, honestly. So how do you how do you deal with that when you when you're in a situation? I know how I dealt with it, but I want to hear what kind of tools uh, other than Luca go back yep. to that one. Yep. So yeah, you got that. I mean, one of the things that that one of the people who inspire me so is the Dalai Lama, and he and other Buddhist monks who have been um, chased by the Chinese uh, and the monks who've been in Chinese prisons for mm. a while. When they come out, they're, you know, they've, they've asked, you know, how are you and you know, what do you think of the, your captors? And I've noticed that they've, and the Dalai Lama says this in many different ways, but you know, the monks were very clear. They don't have empathy mm. for their captors but they have compassion for them. They, they understand the problem, that the, the situation that they're under. Remember, they're not a democracy. They're under right. Right, this communist totalitarian, mm-hmm. basically. There's one power source, and the people don't have a voice. Um, it's, it's a political juggernaut. And you hear the Buddhist monks say, I have compassion for them, and love, basically, for them, and understanding uh, for them, and, they, and and so they try to you know understand from where they're coming from, mm-hmm. and that you know the difficulty is not necessarily one of their own making. That is of the captors' own making, right? It's of the systems' uh, making, and so there's this holistic kind of perspective. And I didn't quite understand this when I was a, a, a young man. Um, I worked for somebody uh, in a now defunct retail outlet store that um, one of my friends died in a motorcycle accident when mm. I was in high school. And I was working evenings and weekends at this one store, and I needed to go to his wake. Mm-hmm. My boss said no. Mm. I said, then I quit, because I need to go to my friend's wake. Sure. Well, back in that day, he pushed me through a wall. I went right through the, the plaster, not the plaster wall, the... Um, uh, the the wall separating the front of the store to the back of the store. That's how hard he, he pushed me. Wow. And my initial instinct, right, was to go to anger. And I was a big, even bigger runner back then. And I realized that if I did something stupid, 
it would have made my life even worse off. Mm. So I picked myself up and I literally dusted myself off and I looked him in the eye. Actually, I had to look up into the <laughs> eye of him and I said, I'm a much bigger man than you, sir. I quit still. Bye. And I walked out and a lot of the coworkers there, you know, were amazed that I didn't you know, do anything back right. uh, to him or didn't Shove say anything. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what was happening is that they saw that I was willing to sacrifice any type of machoism or whatever it was to stand up for the principle of doing what was the right thing, even if he wouldn't do the right thing. And the short story of it is that I eventually went back to work there, hmm. but only because every other person in the store basically teamed up against him Hmm. about what happened. And I didn't do anything negative back to him. And they all recognized that I didn't do something back, which I had every right to do. I could have sued him, right? Mm -hmm. I could have done a lot of different things. And they appreciated the fact that I stood my ground and quit, uh, even though I needed the job, Mm -hmm. right? I, 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 I... my uh, parents, I was paying for my own car and, you know, my own clothes and everything. And so I, and it was a different situation than being a parent, a single parent. That's a different, you need insurance. I was by myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was a totally different, you can live in your car when you're by yourself, right? right? <laughs> you can't with a child. And so um, they supported me. And I think that's one of the ways that you handle a boss in any situation is collaboration, is coordination horizontally with your coworkers. So when things come up throughout the months or even the weeks, you know, if you have sacrificed some of the things for them for the benefit of your coworkers, when things like that happen, they all come rallying, rallying around, around you. you. Mm-hmm. So even though that one negative boss, that ne- one negative boss may win a few battles, they're not going to win the war. Mm-hmm. And the war is, you know, the where you end up at the at the long end of it, right, at the long term goal. If you're looking at short term goals, I, I truly believe that if you if you're the person that you believe you have to win every battle in life, mm. you'll never win the battles that are worth fighting for, because you're willing to trip up and take down anybody else at any time to be on top, and everyone else. And this is where the negative bosses do that. Everyone else can see it. Mm-hmm. It's plain as day. Your days are numbered. And when an organization wants to change their culture, I tend to help organizations or go into businesses as a consultant only if they can tell me what their purpose is. If they have a bigger purpose other than the bottom line. If they tell me it's just profits, you know, there's probably no, not a good fit. No, right. because they don't understand the value of people. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to increase your profits, you have to, you have to value the employees that you hire because they'll work harder for you, they'll work more effectively, they'll work more efficiently for you if you treat them the way they should be treated. And negative bosses, I've seen it time and time again, from Wall Street to the military to academia, the negativity eventually catches up with them and it takes them down. You exactly. just got to survive it. You've got to, and well, you survive it together. Yeah. Right. And when there's a bunch of you and it's a network, it's a and collaboration. That's what we did was, and, and there's a difference though of surviving it together 
um, or just bad mouthing mm, that boss. Good, you know that that can also feed on itself too. Now you've just got you've made a negative situation even more negative. So you've got to find some of those little nuggets and just try and rise above it. And sometimes that's not easy. Um, but I mean, I used to literally just go in the ladies room and cry and mm -hmm. pray and be like, okay, you know, put your big girl panties on Trace. This is, this is you've got to get through this. And some of the other, um, coworkers that I had saw that what was going on, they saw, you know, how I was being treated and whatever. And, but I hung in there and, and I didn't go negative on him. I didn't, um, you know, just start bad mouthing him and whatever. And, um, he actually sent out an email <laughs> to the entire staff, although he didn't realize when he hit, you know, the all staff email that it also went to me. So that <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but um, he literally said, you are not allowed to speak to Tracy. Now, that's very difficult when you're running yeah. a team of people <laughs> to like not have any conversation with them. And and he literally meant like you can't talk to them wow. or talk to her. And it, it was just crazy. But it would have been very easy to just be like, you know, I hate him. We're all in this together, you know, but I knew that wasn't the way to get ahead and and so i i dealt with it and i am I'm, I'm not saying this like i'm patting myself on the back mm -hmm. believe me um i did end up leaving and it, i just went into into him and at the end of things um it, it turned out to be a lawsuit and it was really ugly but every day i went in there with a smile on my face and when i finally did leave I had every partner in that firm say, wow, you, you did it. Like we've, we've had this so many times and yet you handled it so differently. And I think it really did encourage people just what you're talking about. Compassion is uh, contagious. And I was like, look, there's, there's ways to deal with this and not just, you know, everybody jump in the mud pool and just get in a big mud slinging fight. It, it doesn't work. Yep. Um, and I've, and you try, you try to understand, you can try to go to the boss. That's the first thing I do. Right. Absolutely. And try to understand, but you know, they'll come back at you and say, no, dead set against X, Y, and Z right. and everything that you're doing, right. in the position that you're in. And so you try and discuss with them first. And then it's that, you know, that collaboration that you were talking about, that, that network. And, and it, listening to you just now, it just reminded me of another show that we did recently where, you know, it came up, you are what you do, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, we all fall down sometimes and we don't reach for that, that high level of compassion. But I, I would call when things like that happen with the boss in your question, that it's time for some fierce compassion, mm. right? And it's the Buddhist... Uh, phrase for is, is fierce compassion that you're not a doormat mm -hmm. that you're still finding ways to move forward right you're you're not staying down so for you you're right you went to the bathroom you had your cry boom okay i'm i'm okay now i'm out i can i'm rocky i'm, back. I'm rocky I'm back. balboa yeah. right the eye of the tiger is Pete, playing this is your time for the eye of the tiger <laughs> music right the eye of the tiger is yeah. flowing right and and for me you know it's um, when I was younger, definitely crying, helping, but running, mm -hmm. I, 
lace out my sneakers and Mm -hmm. I run some of my best times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and then I come back, the endorphins are kicked in. I'm, I'm totally cool now and calm. I got it all together. I can figure out my way forward, right? I can strategize clearly now. I can tactically figure out how I can, you know, still make something beneficial, right? right? Out of the environment that's happened. And we all have that. We have. Right. Everybody has been, I mean, every circumstance is different, but everybody's been there, you right. know? And and like we said, you have to go in there with your head held high and just be like, I'm here to do a job and I'm going to be pleasant about it and I'm not going to drag everybody down with me, um, even though they were all feeling it too, yep. you know? Um, but so how do you um strengthen compassion ah. how do you how do you when when you really need to you know pull it out from from somewhere and you're like i'm just out of compassion i just really want to just <laughs> go sapped. in there and like yeah exactly how do you do that all right well th- one thing i wanted to add to when you know if you go to the boss and try to understand their perspective and they still are stonewalling you and right you got the collaboration going and, and coordination going the other thing that I sometimes forget to do until it's gone a little bit further than it should is reflect on if I made things more difficult. True. Right? Yeah. That maybe there's something I did that I didn't think about. And and sometimes for me, it comes a little bit later than it should, mm-hmm. that thinking like that, right? Because I'm, I'm looking to figure out how to get ahead in terms of how do we move the organization forward together, mm-hmm. right? And, and I f- sometimes forget to ask. What, What's my part? Yeah, mm-hmm. because it takes two to tango. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, and so there's maybe something I could have done better mm-hmm. that I need to maybe work on. So that was one thing I wanted to... No, and that's true. And you have to, um, when I did leave, I, you know, went in there and, and said, you know, I really thank you so much for this opportunity to work here because I did learn a lot. And that was so true because I tried to learn from that and, and, and look at what my part is. What would I do differently next time? Because we can all improve. That's a great point. Any, at any point. And, you know? and, and so a lot of times when I'm in a situation like that, it's I'm trying to also learn not what to do if I'm in their position. Mm-hmm. Right? I've learned that, for example, I've been around some bosses who love to guide by fear. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a toxic environment. And, exactly. and so you know, you learn to not lead by fear. I don't think those are true leaders. You Leaders inspire people, right? And they're the ones that have people work extra hours because they want to. Not, not by intimidation. Right, not because and, they think they're going to lose right, their job. Exactly. Right, and, and th- those companies, those businesses, those organizations that inspire their people, that have a, I would argue, an environment of compassion, they're the ones that are, are setting flourishing. records. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. They're flourishing. Yeah. And and I think we seem to forget that. So, you know, a lot of times I, I learn from all bosses things to do and things not to do. Mm-hmm. And I try to keep track of that. And I in, in Evernote, I have a leadership file where I actually have those things. That's good. Right. And from past um, experiences. And it, it's so much fun to kind of look back on 
and and figure out if I did learn correctly <laughs> or what and lessons. What am I? What am, <laughs> still am I? Learn. Am I still doing the glamour don'ts as we call them? Glamour magazine always. Oh really? It. No, I don't know this. <laughs> it was the best. They used to have these do's at glamour do's and glamour don'ts, <laughs> and and they would show like all these pictures of you know great styles and whatever, and then they would have the glamour don't, but they would put the little black box over the people's eyes, <laughs> so, so, so you can't recognize them. So you can recognize them, <laughs> and I always use that now the glamour don't it's just you know it can just really translate into any situation just like that when you learn how not to treat people too by by you know watching other people so and then that's i mean you brought that that came up because you brought up the question how do you strengthen your own compassion right and and for me it's kind of looking back on things and and i guess the first thing is we are what we experience Mm-hmm. And so my experiences also make up who I am and the, the, the type of compassion or the lack thereof that, that I might have in given circumstances. So I have playlists. <laughs> I call it, there's this thing called the M3 or 3M if you want to uh, go, go on it. And I talk to, you know, our, our, our Pete and, and Scott and they're going, M and M and M. Whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, M and M and M or M3 or 3M. But it's the, it's basically three M's. And, and the first one is music or another muse. And it's the words that are in the songs. Mm-hmm. So I brought up the script a million times already, right? I love that group. Um, and superheroes. We're going to have to get them on. Oh, right? we have to get them on. You're going to have to really, have the police like, here. really falling behind yeah. the tracks. Here. Gotta, <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing not getting it? No, well, it's about the words in the song, about inspiring, right? And we just talked about Eye of the Tiger, right? Mm-hmm. Back in the 80s, right? Everybody Got everybody that. going, yeah. doing airboxing, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, whatever problem was in front of them, that song it played or... You know, back in the day, too. Chariots of Fire. Remember that one? Journey. Journey. Don't Stop Believing. Don't Stop Believing. And and every kid, even to this day, still plays a little bit of Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) True. So, so, right, there's those songs that, you know, that keep you going. It gets you motivated and and have those inspiration songs, right? Mm -hmm. Those inspirational songs or poetry. You know, some type of muse. So it's the first time is like music or another other type of muse that, and because that's what you experience. And... And what's really cool, there used to be uh, this Japanese author, researcher, um, his, his last name is Emoto. And Emoto, basically, real quickly, he would take water and he would look at it under a microscope and he would play classical music by Mozart. And it would be these, and he, the, the same glass of water, right? That glass of water, when listening to Mozart, when Mozart was on, would have these molecules. He'd take pictures of them under the microscope and they're beautiful. Everything's symmetrical. Hmm. Everything, it, it's like a work of art. Then he puts on Jethro Tull mm-hmm. or ACDC, <laughs> and it's all jagged. Chaos. Ozzy Osbourne. Really? It's all jagged. It's, it's, it looks like not, it's the same glass of water. And it's how the molecules change from the experience that in the environment that you're in. And what are we mostly made of? Human mm. beings are mostly made up of water, yeah. right? And so... Just think about what you experience and what you're around. And Emoto showed that. He was famous for that. He died recently in the last couple of years. Um, so what we are what we experience. And so that's why I put oh, on music. So true. Right? And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, or poetry. Uh, the other M for me is meditation or mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Right? So that gets to the point of we are what we think. So I do compassion meditation after running each time. So 
in the morning, I'm locked in to being compassionate. So we run into those difficult issues that you asked me about, right? <laughs> or five people cut you off and, and going onto uh, the highway that you are in a certain mindset that you can be like, you know what? They've Whatever. got problems, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. They've got problems and, you know, they're, they're trying to step. It's I believe in karma and it's going to come back around to them. I love when you're coming up, those cars are usually driving in the breakdown lane and just over a hill, there's a state statey. Oh, right? yeah. And you got all their license plates. And you're like, it just made your day a lot longer for no reason <laughs> exactly. whatsoever. Right? No, I'm, I'm, you can really cut in front of me because I'm usually the one that lets everybody in. So, you <laughs> <Okay>. know. <laughs> well, and if you, you think compassionately versus empathetically, we talked about this before, mm-hmm. right? Dr. Tanya Singer's work, right? You can get yourself in the mindset to avoid burnout mm. for the day if you're thinking compassionately versus empathetically so you know the second end for me is that meditation and mindfulness uh, and being you know totally aware and then the third M basically is make or manage and that goes back to something we had talked about before we are what we do mm-hmm. right and it's the reason I wrote the book uh, really yeah so go back to that why did you write this book because <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book by the way love the book <laughs> thank, I'm just saying thank you Tracy but, I'll pay you yeah. later <laughs> exactly um, I did it because we were, I was told in a lot of different instances, uh, from my military career to you know, Wall Street to academia, that in order to succeed, what I had to do was look out for my own self-interest and not anyone else. And, and if anyone got close to put them where they should belong, put them in their place. And it never worked out that way. It, it, what I saw in each of those different areas was people who succeeded and stayed successful, remained successful. Not just succeeded and then flamed out. Right, but because who, people can do that. Yes, and they're jerks sometimes, right, who do True. that. So mm-hmm. the jerks can get to the top, but they tend not to stay there very long. And the compassionate achievers, that I call them, they got to the top and then they stay there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and even rise they higher, were helping. usually, because... Yes. And of the other people they're bringing along. Exactly. Right? And they're surrounded by everyone that they helped. And, and those other people helped them. And they recognize, the people on top recognize that the other people helped them. Mm-hmm. Right? They just that they need them. Yeah, they, said, they didn't say, oh, I did it myself. Mm-hmm. Right? That it, they, they gave them credit. And they, they helped them succeed. And they continued to help them. And I was like, wait a minute. We're being told to do this. But really, being compassionate while you're succeeding is really the key that unlocking it. And I couldn't find a book that took that compassion idea and put it on the practical level, right? The doing level. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote it. And I wanted to incorporate the science in it to show you that what you're doing is actually have science to back it up. And not just you thinking, yeah, this has been my experience, right. even though it has, I mean, obviously, and you use experiences in it, but you really do. I love that in the back of the book, you can go to all your notes where and find out the scientific research behind it. It's and not just you thinking, hey, this is this is a good way to do it. Right. And and so that for me, that was a big you know, reason to go with HarperCollins as well, because they were willing to do that. And I, I think that to me is really important because I I don't think you should believe what I just write, right? You should. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's not just some guy going, Hey, (laughs) you know, this is, I get a warm and fuzzy feeling. (laughs) Exactly. Let me hug you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Although that is a good thing. It is. I I think so too. But 
I think for me, it's trying to put those pieces together and what works for me doesn't necessarily work for everyone. So for me, I use music just to put them all three together, right? I use music in the morning when I'm stretching mm-hmm. to get ready for the run, which for me, that's, that helps me on the doing part. Because when you get that runner's high, and you've asked me about this mm-hmm. before uh, on air, that we do have those endorphins kick in, right? And so by the time I'm done running, I come home, I got the endorphins. I'm in the high feeling already. I now have uh, on my, my, uh, my iPhone, I have the 10-minute compassion meditation that I have. So when I'm warming down and I'm stretching and I'm warm down, I have 10 minutes. I know I'm 10 minutes stretching because I'm doing my 10-minute meditation while I'm doing it. And it's the compassion meditation. So each one kind of sets me up, right? This idea of what we, are, what we experience, what we think, mm-hmm. and what we do all kind of leads every morning towards that, you know, consolidating of that, that strengthening of compassion as best I can. And so you I, can draw on it when you really need it. Then. Yes, but I want to make sure this is clear because I'm, I'm human. And there are times where I wish I was more compassionate than I was mm-hmm. after it's over with. But that's why I try to do it every morning is to strengthen it because I, I know I can get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, at it and that's what the book is about too is to provide different ways and different tools I tried to go all over the place from businesses to schools to military right to give an NGOs, understanding we've got right. yeah exactly right. and and that's that's the fun part we can learn from every aspect of life on how to strengthen our compassion and the guests that we've had on so far and that we were going to have are going to help us all do that mm-hmm. and you know what we we're just talking about today and the, the m3 model that I that I came <laughs> up with it was is basically one way, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not the only way. Right. Uh, and Luca, same thing. Luca, for me, has seemed to work in a lot of different areas. And, you know, someone may, you know, find another way of making compassionate achievement happen. I'm all for that. Right. We can all <laughs> learn from that. Exactly. But, and I'm yeah. hoping we do. And the science, you know, will also help guide us in, in, in cool ways. But also, you know, and I know that you're a very faith-based person. There are people in history, in our faith, in different religions that also have been role models, mm-hmm. right? So you can put together your faith, you can put together the science, you can put together what's actually happening in the real world all together. And, and find what works for you, Yes, right? I yes. mean, I'm not a runner, I'm a, I'm a yoga. I'm a oh, yogi. Well, that, that, I'm a yogi. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's really helped. I like it. I, I, I can try, I tried to do a number of those stretches <laughs> and, and I realized that you can get stuck in a couple yes. of those stretches. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to warm up into getting mm-hmm. just like running. And no, yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, I, oh, I could try I this. Can do that. Oh, heck no. <laughs> I love it. Well, it seems like a good place to jump off. At least we've given some people um, maybe a few thoughts of something to try. And, uh, you know, again, would love to hear from listeners about what they do yes. to, to find out, you know, we can all use different tools. The bigger the toolbox, the better we are. And if you want, you can go to... Uh, www.compassionateachiever.com. You can contact me right now through there. Hopefully we get a Facebook page and a Twitter page up going on uh, for the Compassion Achiever podcast. But 
I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. So if you do have questions, you can do that right now. Um, and by the time, hopefully, the, the, we do the next few podcasts, we'll have our own yeah. uh, Facebook and Twitter accounts. I love it. I love it. Well, and be sure to find us at WCSU Media, as always. Thank you, Chris. Well, thank you, Tracy. And for you out there who's listening, we hopefully gave you some tools so that you can unleash the Compassion Achiever within you so that you can unlock success. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.